0: Now listening to Grace City Portland. Um, guys, we, are been, we have been working through a, a sort of our summer mini-series, um, as it were, uh, a topical series to do with trust. Um, we simply entitled our, our series of, of sermons, Trust Issues, and the big idea is that we all want meaningful... Uh, relationships. I think we want to be a part of, of, of communities that are full of rich, honest uh, relationships where we can be ourselves, where we can be vulnerable, where we can actually trust each other. Um, only if you've ever tried that, I'm sure you've quickly discovered that that's a very challenging thing to do because, um, as it turns out, we have trust issues. I'm, I'm relatively convinced that we all have trust issues because it only takes a few years of life before you realize you're sharing this planet with a whole bunch of broken people like yourself. And as hard as we try, um, we're not always the most trustworthy friends. Um, and so we, we hurt each other, we break trust, um, but we don't wanna just live in that state of brokenness or, or mistrust. We wanna follow Jesus and uh, trust him to help us, to heal us, and to lead us into freedom So that we can um, get over our trust issues Get healing, wholeness um, in our souls So that we can, we can enjoy each other um, in the way that we're meant to In a way that we can be vulnerable with each other Trust each other And be a community that is in fact full of rich, meaningful relationships And Jesus helps us to do that Amen, so that's what we've been up to. Um, I believe that this Sunday we're gonna do part four of this, this series of talks, um, and this is, this is the big one. I feel like I should give a series of trigger warnings before we get very far into this, but um, yeah, so there it is. Trigger warning number one. We're going to get into some deep waters this morning. Um, yeah, let's just leave it at that and go to the scriptures. Um, Luke, where are we going? Yeah, we're going to go to Luke chapter 22. Verse 39. text is on the screen, but you're very, very welcome to follow along in whatever book or device you have. Luke 22, starting in verse 39. And he came out, that is Jesus, came out and went... But yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed most earnestly. And his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And when he rose from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping for sorrow. They cried themselves to sleep. And he said to them, why are you sleeping? Rise and pray, that you may not enter into temptation. Father, I pray that this morning you would help us, give us hearts that are soft and attentive to your word and the things that you would even say to us through your word this morning. We want to trust you. We want to follow you, Lord Jesus. We want to experience the life that you have saved us for. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Guys, the big idea this morning is learning to trust up. What we've just read here is is, uh, quite an extreme account of our Savior Jesus in a moment crying out to His Heavenly Father, saying, If there's any other way, please take this cup away from me. He knows He's about to be crucified. He's been talking about it. He's already foretold it. He's told his disciples a few times that he's going to be arrested. He's going to be handed over to the authorities. He's going to be tortured. Ultimately, he will be crucified on a Roman cross. He knows it's coming. It's what he came for. And now the moment of truth has come. And he's in the garden. And he's crying out to his father. If there's any other way, And you know he knows there is no other way. But emotionally, Father, if there is any other way, please take this cup from me. And then he says, but not my will. Father, yours be done. Guys, we're talking about trusting when our will gets crossed. Trusting our Father When he asks us to do something that brings us to tears. Trusting him in those moments where it feels like nothing whatsoever makes sense about me dying to myself in this moment. Yet because we trust, because we've learned to trust our heavenly father, we can say those words. We can pray that prayer Father, not my will, your will be done. And we follow him, we trust him, and we realize that our God is so good, so much more faithful and wise, powerful and loving than we could ever possibly fathom in a moment. That's trusting up. So far we've talked about, mostly really talking about Trusting God, trusting our friends, trusting those around us, but in a, in a slightly more horizontal sense, trusting God when He He maybe gives us something to do that's not so much a a commandment as it were, but it's it's a it's a leading in a direction. Trusting our friends around us, where perhaps there's a mutual sort of trust going on. Now, we're talking about trusting where the. The distribution of power is completely um, one sided. Where now we're looking at a scene where the Son of God, Jesus, is at the mercy of his Father. And he's saying, Not my will, Lord, let your will be done. And he submits to the will of his Father. Paul writes in Philippians that Jesus, he humbled himself unto the point of death, even death on a cross. And so we see, Now, this is, we can get real, real theological if we want to, but what we're looking at now is really, really good Trinitarian theology. It's a picture of the Godhead where there's trust inherent between father and son by the spirit within God himself. Guys, want to hear me use a really dirty word? Like, what are you going to say? <laughs> when we look at the the nature of God, when we consider this this relationship that we see um, consistently throughout the Scriptures, what we see is hierarchy. Isn't that just such a popular word these days? We see hierarchy. We see God the Son submitting himself to the will of God the Father. That's trusting authority. Now, you want to talk about trust issues? Trigger alert, trigger warning. How, how's it go? If there ever was a trigger to be pulled, guys, this is it. This is, this is, this is our, this, it's a, a trust issue phenomenon. We have major, major problems with authority. And for really good reason, I would add. Um, I think it's been a long time since the world we live in, our little corner of the world anyway, in my opinion, has, has seen Good authority demonstrated. Healthy. Trust, worthy. Authority demonstrated. Now it is simply normal to mistrust, distrust, mistrust, not trust. Authority. Not our government officials, Um, not our boss, not our, our pastor. There's just been too many scandals, too many abuses, too many lies, too many headlines, not helpful. And so now we're living in the wake of a whole lot of broken trust. And so when it comes to trusting, where there's a disproportionate um, distribution of power and authority, uh, red flags just shoot up across the board. We have major, major issues when it comes to trusting authority including how we relate to and and simply think of God. Are you guys with me so far? Trusting when your will gets crossed. I thought of this um, while I was praying. It, It reminds me of the first time I told my wife before we were married that I loved her. You may have heard me tell this story before, but... Um, the way I remember it, Shirley totally tricked me into telling her that I loved her for the first time. That's true, yeah? Is that fair? Is that true? <laughs> She's South African. Um, English is her first language, but she speaks Afrikaans as well. And we were kind of dating a little bit, and I was, I was still sort of just enamored with the whole novelty of the, the different culture and the language. And I said, teach me a phrase in Afrikaans. And she's like, okay, say this. And she said, repeat this. Ekecho leaf. Is that, is that good? Ekecho leaf. And I said it, and she's like, almost, almost, say it again, say it again. She had me say it a few times. I'm like, what am I saying? What am I saying? She's saying, you love me. Like, <laughs> dodgy. But it was totally true. Totally true. But there's something about, Saying I love you to someone for the first time. It's, it's so scary because you're like in a moment giving them all of the power. Like all of a sudden, like all chips in. I've said it. Is she gonna say it back? Is she gonna reciprocate? And it's terrifying because all of a sudden like you relinquished control. You don't have the power anymore. It's no longer like, well, if you, I'll say it if you say it. I'll get vulnerable if you get vulnerable. I'll tell you my dark secrets if you'll tell me a couple of yours, and we'll kind of inch towards each other. But when you say those words, all of a sudden, the power has has shifted radically to one, one way or another. And it's good. It's good, but it's so scary. If we're going to relate to our Heavenly Father the way Jesus related to his heavenly father. If we're going to live in relationship with God as Jesus uh, modeled for us, we're gonna have to learn how to embrace God as our father, as our father. It begins with the fear of God, realizing that, in fact, he does have all the power, regardless of what we might think or feel about that and then we realize that God wants us to think of him as kind of a good, faithful, strong father. And this is why Jesus related to God as his father. So this is why he taught us to pray our father. This is when, why when Jesus breathed his last breath upon dying on that cross, that he was preparing himself for in the garden. He cried out, Abba, Father, into your hands I commit to my spirit. And of course, I think most of you, you've heard it said that that word, Abba, it's this Aramaic word, it's a very intimate word, it's a hard to translate word, but it's something like daddy, papa. I grew up calling my father, Papa. It's a very trusting word. It's a very humbling word. There's something um, very dignified about father. And normally when I pray to God, I refer to him as father. Just feels slightly weird to me to call God papa. Um, I don't know why. But when we cry out to God as daddy, Abba, it's it's an acknowledgement that he has all the power. He's the strong one. He is my daddy, and I am his child. That is the most secure place you will ever, ever experience security in this life. And it's where God wants us to to be. It's, It's how God wants us to trust him. Okay. Three reasons why we need to go on talking about this. Number one, as I've just said, trusting God as father is the primary way in which we're to relate to God. Number two, because learning to trust up will affect how we relate to virtually all of the rest of the most important people in our lives. For example, our spouse, our parents, our teachers, our bosses, and yes, perhaps, maybe even, your pastor. There are power dynamics in virtually every relationship that we have in our lives. And as, as scary as that is, as hard as that is for me to say out loud, guys, that, that is just absolute reality. There's always gonna be like power dynamics in our relationships. How we process that, how we think about that, how secure we are with that, what. Well, Absolutely affect the health of our relationships and the security that we can have as we engage with one another in those different relationships. And then number three, as a society, as I've said, I believe we have major issues with authority. Um, and I think God wants to help us grow beyond that. So, Romans 8.15. Let me read this to you. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons and daughters, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. So what I'm talking about, what we're reading about is not a theory. It's not an ideology. It's not an aspiration. This is like the Christian reality. This is what we sign up for if we desire to follow Jesus. If we desire to put our faith in God, what we're signing up for is for God Himself to pour His Spirit into our hearts so that something fundamental and, yes, even supernatural happens on the inside of us. We begin to relate to God as Papa, my daddy, my strong, secure father. We will never fully experience the security that comes from knowing God until we learn to relate to him as father. God has loved me and given up everything for me like a good father so that I can know him, relate to him, and be reconciled to him as my heavenly father. This is what God does. This is what he wants for us. Is to relate to him, to experience the safety, the security, the identity that comes from relating to God as father. Of course, all of that is possible because of what God has done for us. Because God entered into all of our broken mess and died for us so that like Jesus, we can be reconciled to God, so that we, like Jesus, can relate to God as our Heavenly Father. But Father means, Father means I love God and obey Him as Father. John 14, Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And if you love me, you'll obey me because the words that you've heard from me aren't mine but the Father's who sent me. In other words, if we're going to relate to God as our Father, then we need to understand that to love God is to obey God. It's parenting 101. If you've ever had a kid, you'll know instinctively that one of the very first things you want to teach your child is that they need to obey you because you love them. And your like goal in life is to keep them alive. It's super simple. Listen to me and obey me, and I will keep you alive past like 10. I promise. <laughs> and so when we relate to God as our father, we need to understand that to say, Father, I love you, God, I love you, is to say, God, I'm committed to obeying you. Because you're my father. You're my father. I remember uh, when I was a little kid, I had a great relationship with my dad. And I suppose I should probably mention the fact that, that maybe, I don't know, statistically, half of us here in this room had terrible relationships or just void relationships with our father or one of our parents. And so this is a major trigger issue. There it is. I feel extremely fortunate for having had a father in my home. My parents are still married and uh, my dad and I had a great relationship. Um, I have fond memories of like, doing yard work with him. And then after a long, sweaty day of, of, of manual labor, we would go to Merle's Drive-In, just down the street from our house. It's old 50s diner. And uh, we would get large cherry Cokes, like the good kind with the cherry grenadine, poured in with the cherries. And we'd sit there drinking our cherry Cokes. We'd look at each other, and he'd say to me, Pals forever, And I'd repeat it back, pals forever. (laughs) My papa, he's certainly one of my best friends now. Um, I'm a grown man, I'm 43, I have three kids, I'm living my life. He's a grown man, he's got a bigger, better house, and more children, and all of that. We're peers, we're friends. But he will always, first and foremost, be Papa. He will always, first and foremost, be the man that I set across from the table, sipping cherry Cokes, who said, pals forever. That's my Papa. It's so humbling and safe and right and empowering. That's the kind of relationship. That's a glimpse, a sliver of the kind of relationship that our Heavenly Father wants us to experience with him. So we must learn to obey him as such. Let's talk about how all of that affects our human relationships. What are the implications for learning to trust uh, authority in our lives, learning to trust up, as it were, Well, let's uh, go to Ephesians. I believe this one's up there, yeah? Chapter 5, verses 17 to 21. Another trigger warning. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. Don't get drunk, don't get high, that's debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. We did that this morning. Singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, because of what he has done, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So in the light of how Jesus submitted to his father, we're meant to submit to one another so as to honor him, so as to reflect who he is and what he's like. Now Paul goes on to elaborate on the submitting to one another. Um, He says in verse 22, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Verse 25, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. He goes on in chapter six, verse one, to say, children, obey your parents in the Lord. for this is right. And finally, in verse five, bondservants. We don't quite have a contemporary version of bondservants. I would liken it to like, employee and employer, thats probably the closest thing we have, but he says, bondservants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ. Not by the way of eye service, as people pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as the Lord, as to the Lord, And not to man. Here's the point. When we learn to relate to our God as Heavenly Father, when we learn what submission to the will of our Father looks like, that begins to play out in how we relate to one another as His children. And like anything else in life, if you in fact do aspire, to follow Jesus and experience his life, what he demonstrates for us, what he achieved for us, it always plays out in our human relationships. That's why Jesus says, you can't say that you love me, but you hate your brother. That it doesn't doesn't work. Whatever you know about me, whatever you experience or receive from me, it needs to play out in our human relationships. So this idea of son submitting to father Trusting God as Abba, it plays out in our human relationships, which means that we're supposed to submit to each other. Now, we know that's true when it comes to our children. Like I don't, I don't stand around and debate with my four-year-old. Like, no, you need to submit. Look, hold on, I have a Bible verse right here. <laughs> that's obvious. Now, my wife and I have actually had some, like, really Interesting, hard, emotional conversations about yeah, but what, what, what does that look like for you to submit to me? Oh, that's a hard one. That is so. I think it's just as hard for me as it is for her because it's like, uh, what, what does that mean? I'm responsible? Like, uh, like that's scary. Like, what? So I have to love you in a way that like reflects like the very heart of God. Like that freaks me out. Can we trade places? God says no. And so that picture of one submitting to another is meant to demonstrate the way we relate and trust our Heavenly Father. This is really, really hard. This is so hard. In our broken world, it's normal for people In a position of authority to abuse their power. And for those of us living on the lower end of the scale of power, it's I would say it's become virtually expected that we would rebel against any sort of power. It's called postmodernism. It's 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 the whole it's like the result of of the modern movement. Don't trust power. If someone's in authority, it's because they want to control you and oppress you. So break it down, rebel against it. And that's, that's, that's our world in some sort of general way. But as children of God, we are to live prophetically. We're to live differently. We're to live in such a way that our lives and the way we relate to one another and submit to one another is meant to show the world an alternative. Like we don't have to just live in a perpetual state of abuse, brokenness, mistrust, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. There's a way out. There's a way to break the cycle. There's a way to trust good authority in a way that reflects how Jesus trusted the Father. As children of God we are to live prophetically, speaking out Against the abuse of authority, always, and yet while demonstrating a good and healthy alternative to what trusting someone in authority is supposed to look like in the family of God, it's our job to reclaim healthy relationships and to learn how to trust people in positions of authority. That is, my father, my leaders those who have been appointed to to look out for me, to watch over me, to serve me, to lead me, and to do that in a way that reflects ultimately my trust in God. So big question, how do we actually do this? What, What does this all look like practically? Number one, number one, remember All true authority is from God. I I had the most encouraging phone call, uh, what was it, Thursday morning, I think, just before we went to the men's weekend, which was fantastic, by the way. If you didn't make it this year, we're going to do it again next year, men's weekend. It was awesome. Just before the men's weekend, I got a call from from one of my my buddies, and uh, he's like, man, I'm having such a rough time um, living with my parents Finances are are complicated, and and basically, like, you know, I'm, like, in my late 20s, and I'm I'm at home, and I'm having to really depend on my parents, um, which is super hard for, like, an almost 30-year-old. And he said this, but you know what? I've determined that the way I'm going to honor them and submit— to their leadership, to their authority as, as my parents and the owners of the house that I'm living in, I'm going to do it because ultimately I'm trusting Jesus. Ultimately it's, it's not them that I'm submitting to, it is, but it only because I'm even more or ultimately submitted to my God. Because all authority is from God. God. God is the one who promotes. God is the one who demotes. Have you ever been, let's, let's talk about work uh, situations. Have you ever been in a work situation where because of the positional sort of influence or authority your boss has over you, not because he earned it, not because he's like a, a person of integrity, but because he just happened to get there before you and now you're in the situation where he's the boss or she's the boss and you have to submit to their authority because that's how it works. If you don't like it, get a new job. Or not, because that's usually not an option. And you know that they should not be in that position of authority. You know that they don't—they're not trustworthy. They lie, they steal, they abuse. They're insecure. They use their position to somehow get something from you so they can feel big. Important, you guys, with me? You know what I'm talking about? We've all been there. We've all been there. Everyone's had that boss. God bless them. Do you know that God is not unaware of that situation and that person who is in a position of authority, particularly when it comes to his children? God is aware. And it is God's prerogative to promote and demote as he wills. He he can do that. He can absolutely do that. I remember when I first um, got into ministry it was um, 19, no, 2003. 2003, I started into full-time vocational ministry. And I was very ambitious and very zealous and doing it for all the wrong reasons. I just wanted to be up front. And here I am. I finally made it. And, of course, you get there, you realize, like, this is not what I thought it was going to be. Um, but anyways, there I was going for it. And I remember there was a guy who kind of entered into the ministry at the same time. And he kind of just got promoted past me. And I'm like, this is not fair. Like, I I pray more. I'm nicer. I, I'm, I'm sure I love God more. And I just didn't really like the guy. But uh, what, you know, what was I going to do? I was partly tempted to be like, oh, well, forget it. I'll just, I'll do my own thing or rebel. or Of course, I'll be totally passive aggressive about the whole thing. And then God, God convicted me through his word. And I realized that now all authority is from God. And... This guy and the position that he's been entrusted with as a leader, the authority that he has in a way over my life as as a subordinate, if you will, um, that's God's business. And if he, that guy, um, he was actually a decent guy. He was mostly just my issues. But if that guy doesn't, learn how to grow into the authority that's been entrusted to him and begin to lead and to serve and to love me and those around him like Jesus, God will will simply demote him and then he'll promote someone else. And that should be a super humbling thought, particularly if you aspire towards any, any position of leadership. If you get there and you're not able to use that authority that's been entrusted to you in a way that reflects the leadership of God, um, then he'll just kind of move you right along. Because um, that's, that's the kind of good father that our heavenly father is. And that's exactly what he did, actually. Um, and it was really sad in retrospect. But he blew it. He, he sinned big time. He had an affair. And, and this is not even, the, the, yeah. I've, I've had a couple leaders in my life in ministry uh, cheat on their wives. And it broke my heart every time. And, uh, and God demoted him. And it's all been very humbling for me. I pray consistently, God, help me not to be an idiot. Um, But by the grace of God, I go. No better than any of those people. (laughs) Seriously, I've seen too many Christian men rise and fall um, for me to think that somehow I'm better than anyone. So I pray a lot. And I hope you guys pray for me occasionally as well. Luke 19, Pilate said to Jesus, Do you not know that I have authority to release you and the authority to crucify you? And Jesus answered him, You would have no authority over me unless it had been given to you from above. Number two, authority is given for the purpose of serving and building others up. Romans 6 4. We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. You know what that means? So when Jesus chose to submit himself to the will of his Father, say Jesus, when he chose to trust up, where were we in that equation? Where were we? We were somewhere here because Jesus chose to take our sins upon himself. He chose to humble himself to the point of death that he might rise us up and seat us in heavenly places with our Father, when we submit ourselves to authority, it is for no other reason than to come underneath those whom we've been entrusted to lead and to serve and to build them up, just as our Savior did for us. That's why we submit ourselves to authority. Some of you might remember uh, the the, uh, the story when Jesus he met the Roman centurion. And the Roman had a a son who was sick and about to die. And he wanted Jesus to come heal him. But he said, Jesus, don't bother coming to my house because I, too, am a man under authority. Just say the word and I know it will be done. And it says that Jesus marveled at his faith. It only happened twice in the Gospels, both times with Gentiles. He said, I too am a man under authority. He understood what authority was really for. That he had authority because he had submitted himself to authority. And that true authority, godly authority is given to us that we might come under and serve and build up. That's what it looks like in marriage. That's what it looks like in our families with our children. You absolutely have a responsibility to lead your children, if you ever have any. It's a responsibility, but not so that you can be the boss. I used to be convinced. I remember the days my dad would stick me in the backyard, and we weren't working together, but he'd say, pick up the dog poop and rake the leaves. And I would stand in that backyard all day long, railing against my parents, convinced I remember it so vividly. I think I need more therapy. Convinced that my parents decided to conceive me just so that they could have a little slave child living in their house. Have you ever thought that? I believed it. It's, it's just ridiculous when I think about it now. My dad was just teaching me how to, how to work. I thank God for that. Let's, um, I need to end. One more point. So we're talking about how, how do we go about this? What is, what is this sort of trusting up, submitting to authority, beginning with God, but then seeing how, what the implications are in our, our human relationships? Um, how do we do this? All authority is from God. Authority is given for the purpose of serving and building others up. And then finally, number three, authority I don't know if this actually flows. Now that I think about it, but say it anyways. Authority is essential for the mission of God. This is more of like why we need it, and I want to I want to land here. As a church, it's really important that we embrace in a healthy way, in a godly way that we embrace leadership. Guys, I want to relate to you as your pastor not your daddy, that'd be super weird. Um, not as, you know, the guy up here looking down, but as, as a pastor, as a shepherd, as, a, as an under-shepherd, entrusted with the responsibility to serve as a leader like Jesus would, his own people, his own flock. I want to relate with you guys that way. Which means that I'm probably not going to be the probably not going to be like the best friend you ever had, which is really hard for me because, guys, I am hardwired extrovert. Like I love it. I want to be everyone's friend, and it just it consistently backfires on me because I'm like, uh, I want to I want to hang out with you. I want to spend time with you. I want to connect with you, and I can't even remember your name for like the hundredth time because I can't be friends with. More than 20 people, really. So I want to be a pastor. And I want us to cultivate a healthy attitude towards leadership. Not just just because of me, but as others of you in here lead. As you take responsibility. As you obey Jesus and lead the charge and do things that perhaps no one else is doing, when you take responsibility for things that no one else is even noticing and you say, Lord, I'll do it, I'll lead, if you'll let me, you wanna turn around and, and, and hope that someone's, someone's there, someone's following you because as a church family, we, we embrace leadership. We value it. And not only do we aspire to lead, but we aspire to follow well because there's this principle in the Bible that pops up every now and again that goes like this. You will reap what you sow. And if God is ever going to use you to lead someone or something, you better get really, really good at following now because eventually you're gonna be the one out front and you better hope you've been sowing real good follow. Does that make sense? We need people who are willing to take responsibility to lay down their lives and lead the charge in loving our church and our city. And we need people who are really good at following, who are willing to be faithful in serving the vision of another, not for the money, not for the notoriety, not to fulfill some sort of little personal agenda or, or gap you have in your identity. That's just called using people. We go to God for that. But because we're followers of Jesus and we're obedient to his calling. Guys, it's, it's, how, it's how we go on mission together. It's how we mobilize. It's how we round up the troops and say, guys, here's where we're going. This is what we're doing. And on some, on some level, now please bear, bear with me, on some level, I want us to get to the point where as a church, we can say, all right, family, here's what we're going to do. we got a plan. We've been praying about it for weeks, months. We really want to impact our city. We want to bless people. We want to share the gospel with people. We want to demonstrate that in our neighborhood. So here's what we're going to do. We're all going to we're gonna rake some leaves in the neighborhood. Half of you will be like, yeah, awesome. Like, not not gonna be there. Don't feel like it. Nope. Why? Maybe because you're like legitimately busy, and that's fair enough. Fair enough. Okay, I'm not trying to start a cult here. But let's just be really, really honest. Some of you, some of us, it's more like, yeah, no, I just, don't, I, don't, I don't want to do that. And that's, that's just a complete breakdown in leadership. That's a complete disregard for the, the importance and value of someone trying to lead the charge and say, guys, we're going this way. Who's with me? And even if you're like not super into the idea, you say, yeah, like, okay, great. Let's, let's go. Who's leading? I want to be a good follower. I want to serve. I want want to be a part of the movement. And I trust that God is in this. And if you're leading us in the wrong direction, I'll just pray super hard. And if God's got to demote you, well, that's just what will happen. It really comes down to an absolute trust in the goodness, the ability, and the faithfulness of our Heavenly Father. Because Jesus is the head of his church. And when we trust each other, when we embrace leadership in our marriages, in our families, in our church, even in our jobs. We're trusting that ultimately our God is still in control of the universe. He's still sovereign. He's still good. Amen. Can we stand together, guys?